This is Bragg, the son of Balan, and you're listening to Light the Beacons, a Lotro podcast. Welcome to the world of Middle-earth. Beacons are lit! Lotro calls for aid. And Brog shall answer. The orchestral music swells, and once again it is time for Amandine here in the foothills in the white mountains of Ered Nimres. Tomfoolery is once again kindled. Welcome back to Light the Beacons, the only Lotro podcast that dares to say, My goodness, that is some intriguing filth. This is episode number 79, and I am feeling fine as your host, Bragg of the Lonely Mountain, the Sultan of Shieldswipe, the Earl of Agro, foe of the Dark Tower, and Dwarf of Ill Repute, broadcasting live from temporary LTB MEWHQ, far from Fairthelion, coming to you live from the rooftops of Lake Town. Yes, if you've made it here to this part of the game, congratulations to you. And you know that uh, as in the elder days in Bree, Lotro Parkour is alive and well. Uh, now, I have only discovered a few locations so far that allow you to escalate to the rooftops of uh, Lake Town. Uh, but the one I ha- I think there is lots of fun to be had once you learn the different paths. And uh, I can tell you that uh, from my perch uh, on top of a cool kind of carved dragon head that you will see replicated throughout most of Lake Town, as their theme. Um, I am looking down in the center square of the town, which is not so much a square as a pond, uh, with various rickety woodshop piers, docks, and uh, otherwise floating flotilla uh, nestled around in a semicircle, kind of right next to what's that building called? The Master's Manor. And as I look out over the lake, uh, it is a cloudy afternoon. Uh, Some interesting cloud cover moving east to west, so hailing from run. Uh, There is smoke pluming from out of top of the um, smokestacks on top of the Lake Town buildings, billowing off into the distance. I can see purplish and bluish mountains to the east, (coughs) Uh, undoubtedly where the uh, Jangovar are marshalling their forces. As I look north, I see a giant waterfall cascading down into Long Lake uh, from the environs of Dale. There are rolling rocky foothills of grass to my west. And uh, just to the southwest of me, I can see a bog, as well as the bones of Esgaroth of old sticking up out of the lake. And that is quite a sight to see. Uh, Lake Town up here looks like quite a jumble. Quite a beehive of activity, quite a kind of a, you know, a, a beehive of humanity buzzing in and out. Uh, who would think to buy, build such a structure out on top of the water like this? But it does make them superior tradesmen, so I guess there is economic advantage. It is a beautiful venue in game, which I will talk about a little bit later in the episode. But for right now, if I want to have time for that, we better move on 
to our next beacon of Elanok. Elanok, a review of the agenda. As usual, we've got to deal with a lot of CREP. You know what we got to deal with first? The fact that I am parched. Time to crack an ale. Ah, now my dwarvenly sensibilities have returned. So, CRAP. Where were we? CRAP. We seem to always be at CRAP in this podcast. But last time out, we definitely offended epic storyline critics, former podcasting hosts, uh, physics major washouts, and of course, the elves. And to everyone else that was offended, we offer a solemn and very heartfelt sorry. Um, so we're offending uh, Northern Mirkwood elves now, which is a nice change of pace. Uh, viewer comments agree to disagree. Uh, let me see. I don't believe I have any iTunes reviews, which means that the last review of the podcast was left by F. Duddy, a.k.a. Fielder, on October 9th of 2017. Yes, that's six months and counting, and he currently has our high score. I bet he regrets leaving that, uh, that review now. As always, if you want to join this illustrious cadre of reviewers, then I might ask, what is stopping you? Viewer feedback. Agree to disagree. There were no comments that liked the beacon, but from Twitter, there were a few acknowledgments on Twitter, especially around my recognition of Roger Edwards from Contains Moderate Peril. In fact, he personally PM'd me directly to let me know that he was not yet dead and did not want to go on the cart. He is, in fact, looking for a podcasting gig where he can just show up and talk without all the editing and production hassles. And if I did not have the most incompetent podcasting recording assistant of all time, I think you know who I'm talking about over here, who has no idea how to capture a Skype feed, then I would certainly have had him on here. Um, all I can say is remember the key to longevity in podcasting that I found over the course of 79 episodes, and that is absolutely no editing. Here at LTB, we have a lifetime guarantee that we do absolutely no editing of our podcast ever. It goes straight from Aluvatar's mouth to my ear, then out some other orifice, and basically into this computer thingy and over here, and then I'm not completely sure, but somehow you get to view it. And uh, I also want to give a shout-out to an apparently long-time viewer who sent me a telling game this past week. Uh, this is not normal for me, but every so, every so often when Bragg deigns to speak in world chat, uh, someone will chime in and send me a note saying, Hey, I've been listening to your podcast, and you know if the crimes against humanity continue, then I'm going to have to report you to the authorities. Uh, but in this case, Arames, I'm going to pronounce his name, A-A-R-A-M-E-S, who is tortoising his way across Rohan currently. Uh, you know, we traded some discussion about the fact that he was looking for uh, more active kin. Uh, you know, I always talked about the fact that uh, way back in episode, eh, let's call it Nimdi uh, Nemen, it was called constructive criticism. And the most difficult part of any kin search is finding one that's big enough to be active in the kinds of ways that you like to engage with the game, but not so big that you feel lost and don't know the players that are on every night and uh, you know you're basically a nameless face in a crowd uh, it's finding that kin sweet spot that is so difficult and then when you find it the dynamics of the kin change over time and well there you are um, so all I can say to Ramis is uh, you know uh, he was basically in the Rohan area so I think in the mid 80s as far as levels and I always tell people at that level don't be in a hurry to get to the shiny candy of endgame 
enjoy the ride. And since he is employing the turtle, the stone of the tortoise in his journeys, I think he's actually doing it and I hope he does. So thanks for saying hello, Aramis, and uh, good to make your acquaintance and hope you're still listening. In Community Spotlight this week, we had another departure from the Lotro Players broadcast as Maven declared that she was taking a break due to some other considerations uh, preying upon her time where she was not as active in-game as previously. She promises to come back and guest host and uh, certainly will continue to be involved, I would guess, with the Tokian Professor and some of his broadcasts. Uh, But, uh, you know, Maven brought a, a particularly knowledgeable... Tokian voice to uh, to the community, and I want to say thanks to her and good wishes. Hope to see you back soon. Let me see what else. Uh, Forums Insider. That's my angry mob sound effect. So I've not been out to the forums much recently, but I'd like to discuss something that can be just as ugly nowadays, and that unfortunately happens to be world chat. And I know many people that just turn it off or put it in a different tab and so forth. But there are things that I enjoy about World Chat. I actually enjoy the pitter-patter when it's not too toxic. And I actually like, especially like to have it on after a new release um, like we've had just recently. As you can learn a lot about some of the more frustrating issues or errors that people commonly hit and get stuck on. um, Because they always ask for help in the chat. And typically, there are uh, those happy to give guidance, unless it's the 57th time that somebody's asked, "Hey, where can I find the next book of Mordor starting?" You know, you, in that case, you have a standard emote button that just spams them that they need to go talk to Mithrandir in the gates of Gorgoroth. Um, so, you know, I do enjoy. I also keep an eye out, obviously, for pugs that I'm interested in running with. And, of course, here on Landreville, we have some of our legendary punathons. I'm not sure if this happens on every server. We used to have it occasionally on Vilia, but Landreville appears to be particularly obsessed with having these punathons where someone throws out a topic like bears or trees or uh, what's another one that does all the time? I don't know. Those are two good examples. And uh, puns continue to run in the chat room regarding bears or trees or whatever the topic may be for basically, uh, you know, minutes, hours, sometimes hours on end. I think uh, there was one the other day I chimed in and someone got on and they said, is this still going on? I left the game two hours ago when this started. So uh, those can be kind of fun. And I like seeing what's going on in world chat typically. You know, if there's something, there's a bunch of trolls out there trolling, you basically don't have to pay attention. So that's the nice thing about it. Um, So there appears to have been an impact from the recent uh, timing of spring break, which for some people would start as early as a week or two ago and maybe continuing on through the next month or so. And uh, I guess in spring break, a lot of people return to the game that aren't normal players. Uh, you know, perhaps they're younger students in grade school, high school, college that join and kind of bring the demographic um, of the ch- impact, the demographic of world chat. And uh, a lot of these returning players are, are asking for help, um, which is not a problem. I think uh, in the Lotro community, we're particularly keen on helping those who need it, who ask smart questions and who aren't too lazy to at least do the most basic of research themselves 
And then there are returning players that demand help um, and refuse to do even the basic modicum of research about what they're asking about. And they have bad manners that they may have picked up from other games and the way they interact and ask for that help and um, you know demean others that don't give them the answers they want immediately and all kinds of fun stuff like that. So some of that is going on in World Chat recently, and that's uh, you know obviously, hopefully uh, is only a temporary or interim issue. And the other impact that's been on World Chat of late, of course, is that of gold spammers, which are the worst I have ever seen it in game. Um, and you know, there's various theories on why the gold spammers are as bad as they are right now. I think I've talked about them in a previous podcast, so I'm not going to go through all of them again. But it does seem to be trending in the wrong direction. I would say just about every time I log in, I start getting spammed until I report harassment in the chat. You know, I know it's just a click, uh, two, two, two or three clicks to get rid of it. But when it happens every couple minutes, and usually when they chime in, they hit the send key like five times in a row. So anything that you were reading immediately gets whisked off the screen. And it is annoying. It's pretty darn annoying. Um, some of these guys have real chutzpah, too. There was one guy on last week whose name was Re-Report Me! Exclamation point, or I Dare You! Or something like that. <sighs> you know, and these people wouldn't be coming around if clearly someone's buying this stuff or they wouldn't be wasting the effort because obviously they have to level a new character through the prologue to get them out into world chat. Um, you know, do the inventory moves or whatever to be able to sell some of this stuff. Uh... And, uh, you know, that takes at least a modicum of effort. So you've got to think that uh, someone's buying this stuff, unfortunately. Um, I do think it would help if SSG banned reposts of the same messages within a specific time limit or of messages over a certain number of characters done with this within a specific time limit because they do seem to follow a pattern. I'm sure the spammers would adapt if SSG did that, but it would help um, at least temporarily and it would maybe decrease the amount of uh, spammed repeat messages in the chat. Uh, but in the end, invalidating the market is really the only defense if that's possible. If it's here to stay, I'm sure we'll get fed up with it at some point, and that's really sad. I would miss World Chat if it was never around as an option based on uh, toxicity and spammerificity. Those are two words. Look them up. Scrabble players. And, uh, yeah, uh, let's hope they do something about it soon because I think the cries are getting more and more um, strident around it. I know the resources are limited, but this seems like a worthy space to uh, try to spend some development effort to at least mitigate the, uh, the issues at hand. Uh, so in this week's action-packed episode, we're going to talk a little bit about what we've been doing in-game. We will talk about what could possibly coming out for the March 21st surprise, which is tomorrow. It's the reason I had to get a podcast in. Going to cram this one in tonight before the March 21st surprise tomorrow. We're going to discuss some first impressions of the new expansion. And lastly, if there's any time remaining, we will end the podcast prematurely. But if we want to have time for that, we better get moving to the third beacon of Nardal. Okay, so what has been going on with uh, This Week in Gaming and or other Tokyo news? I should mention that as I'm sitting here atop the spire in Lake Town, I just heaved on someone's shoes way down below me, and uh, the person was looking around trying to figure out who threw up on him, and he couldn't find me, so he ran off, uh, which I thought was rather amusing. Very dwarvish of me, by the way. Um, so... While Baby Dwarves in the House continue to be fascinated with the game of Fortnite, which I have not gotten to myself, 
lately I've been playing a little bit of sh more Shadow of Mordor. I think I have four out of five War Chiefs branded down in the Nern area. I've cleared a bunch of objectives around in the minimap. Definitely feeling sturdier in major battles with lots of uh, what's off with lots of players coming at me. And uh, what else? I uh, haven't been playing a lot of other games recently. I did go to the movies uh, yesterday and saw Tomb Raider. Um, so we have. Two or three folks in the house that have gone through and played uh, the two fourth. I think it's 2014. That was the relaunch of the game where they kind of went back to her origin story, where she was younger, a little more gritty, a little more realistically buxomed, and so forth. And uh, that was uh, an excellent game. One of one of uh, the more fun games I've played over the last few years. The movie was very true to that game in terms of story and tone and visuals and. Uh, you could see action set pieces from the video game translated directly to the screen. Uh, I thought Alicia, so we had a kind of a uh, you know a built-in interest in going to see the movie for uh, several people in the household. Uh, I thought Alicia Vikander was great in the role. Um, you know, brought a little bit of nuance. Uh, definitely pulled off the physicality. Uh, had a little bit more vulnerability. A little more. A little more uh, depth to the acting, obviously. You know, nothing against the old Angelina Jolie versions, which I enjoyed as campy fun back in the day. But this version is superior and uh, more of the times, that's certain. And uh, overall, I thought it was decent. Um, I'm hoping the box office will be enough for a sequel. Right now, it did okay on the first weekend. I think it made about $25 million or so. But has ways to go to break even based on its IMDb-listed budget of $94 million. Uh, so maybe... Little more than a quarter of the way towards profitability in its first week, uh, when I think most movies need to make back closer to 40 to 50% in their first week. You know, that being said, eventually with uh, DVDs and you know, streaming and all that other stuff, I'm sure it's going to do okay. But the question is, will it be enough to spawn a sequel? Um, and I think there are rough waters ahead because Ready Player One is right on its heels coming this next weekend, and that is going to be big. So let's see if that rising tide lifts all boats or if uh, the Tomb Raider is left out in the wind. If that would be the case, that would be a shame because, like I said, I think it has potential. And uh, what else? Lotro, back into the Spring Fest grind. Seems like there's always a festival on. There's very little time in between festivals in Lotro, which I guess is good for the part of the community that only really participates in that aspect of it. Um, I did a couple head runs, a horse run, and a whole bunch of shoe stomping. So if you're doing the elite run for shoe shrew stomping, I know some people, I had trouble with it the first time or two I did it, but if you, if you try it three or four times to get the hang of it, you can get the elite level every time you run it. Um, and that's five tokens, which you can get about every five to seven minutes on that expert mode. Um, you can even do with some other local quests in Chelandim in between. Uh, so not uh, hard at all to rack up the tokens you need. So I already have the Horse of Arid Lasgalin and the Lonely Mountain Fiddle. Hello, shout out to the Lonely Mountain Band. Uh, putting a Lonely Mountain Fiddle in the game. Well done. Uh, those were really the two things I was interested in. I didn't take that close of a look at the cosmetics. I might go back, but, you know, Spring Festival, how much shrew stomping can you do? Um, given that we had a new content release recently, I might be done with it. Aside from that, Bragg uh, has been running the Update 22 content, which I'll talk a little bit more about below. Um, he's surviving just fine the new expansion. In fact, thinking about it, I don't believe I've been to the Res Circle yet in the new expansion. 
maybe once falling off of a cliff. I uh, have heard of a lot of people struggling, especially those who uh, skip through uh, the Mordor content to go directly to Mirkwood. Uh, some people think that the Mordor content is obsolete now that you can get better gear in northern Mirkwood. Uh, but I would say good luck questing in northern Mirkwood without any uh, without any ash gear and without any um, uh, you know not that you have to deal with the shadow like you did uh, back in Mordor, but uh, the gear definitely took a huge leap from the wastes into Mordor. And if you don't if you have not made that uh, that big leap, you are going to struggle against some of the northern Mirkwood mobs. I'm guessing based on your level. Uh, so I would not. I would recommend at least doing Mordor enough to get the lowest level of Ash gear that's available there, if possible, and uh, or, and or just do the epic story and get through the Union of Evil to get your class trait class trait point. Um, so obviously, a new class trait point is available pretty early in the new expansion, as well as a teal level 340 breastplate in the first few quests, which is nice. Uh, get some rewards right out of the gate. I am pretty much out of Universal Solvents and uh, Malleable Shadow Essences and Essence Recla Reclamation Scrolls with all the gear upgrades that you have to go through. Um, so I've been trying to do some dailies to farm some of those things. And um, Universal Solvents, you know, I don't think there's an easy way to get them in-game. Um, you got to look for drops in big battles or instances or... Uh, you know, buy them from the auction house, and right now they're going hmm, 50 or 60 pre-universal solvent and maybe 120 gold for an Essence Reclamation Scroll, which is kind of steep. So the universe, I'm sorry, Essence Reclamation Scroll you can still get, I think, in the uh, skirm camps and some of the other rewards vendors from some of the previous few updates, um, but the universal solvents can be tougher to come by. Uh, so, so that's a little bit of an issue. Um, Bragg also did a tier 2 Tower of Orthanc Saruman run so I've run Tower of Isengard instances a bunch but I still have a whole bunch of level 75 deeds in my quest log uh, you know, doing the tier 2 stuff because despite the fact that the mobs have become a joke as we got to level 115 characters there are still me some mechanics in those tier 2 Isengard instances that give people fits or that you can't solo basically um, the Fire and Ice Wing comes to mind, as well as the final encounter with Saruman on the, uh, on the platform of Orthanc, and even some of the three-man instances, like the, uh, the one where you fight the Huorns or Bad Ents, uh, where you, uh, you know, basically need more than one tune to go through that and get all the different objectives to achieve Tier 2. Even the Pits of Isengard has a requirement to have a second tune in so that you can open up one of the gates for the instances. So for various and sundry reasons, there's a lot of deeds left out there for Isengard cluster for me, Tier 2. And every once in a while, if I see someone running that, I'm going to jump in. Uh, in this particular case, they were looking for a fill-in because a group had been trying to do the uh, Pinnacle of Orthanc. I think uh, the guy said he had been on for almost five hours <laughs> trying to get it right. And uh, for those of you that have done it, you know that there's a there's a bug involved. So beating the ceremonies, you can almost ignore the majority of the mechanics that are up there right now, except the kickback, which will kick you off the tower. But um, you know the ceremonies go down like like melted butter. 
but at the end, you need five people that are willing to grasp the rings and uh, look at the sequence of smoke coming out of Sharman's staff and then trigger them in the right order. And this is made more complicated by the fact that despite the fact that the content came out almost, I don't know, what, three, four, five years ago now, um, there's a bug where the purple smoke doesn't always show up out of Saruman's staff and you have to guess where it is by the break in smoke coming from his staff which is sometimes accurate and sometimes not and if it comes at the beginning or the end you just have to guess basically it's called the purple smoke bug and it makes running that instance a pain because you get one thing wrong and everyone's got to jump over the side and start over that means all everyone running back and everyone you know getting back into the tower and getting in position and uh, you know, reading whatever food and, you know, getting positions for the rings and so forth. So it's a pain to run it. That's why people don't do it that often. So after this guy who's been doing it for five hours, um, our first try failed because of the smoke issue. And on the second try, we got it right. So I think I've only cleared the Tower of Isengard tier two challenge like that um, maybe two or three times ever. So that was kind of fun to do. And it was made all the more exciting by the fact that when we opened the chest at the base of Orthanc after being rescued by one of the eagles, Bragg won a broken cloak clasp. So for those of you who know what that is, it's one of the rare drops uh, of any instance in the game, basically. You get maybe one or two uh, when you run a tier two uh, Tower of Isengard, which is a 12-man raid, and obviously you have to get through all four wings to get to the top of the tower. So... Um, Basically, I got uh, swift travel to the end. I didn't do any of the four wings. I joined a group that had been practicing and just missed getting it right a bunch of times. And uh, on the second try, uh, we got him down. And I almost felt bad uh, winning the cloak class, but uh, but I've done it enough times without winning it to know that you know I should shut up and take my lucky fortune when I get it. So all I can say is, wow, I never thought I'd get one of these things. And uh, you may remember an episode I published last year where I finally got a third Dragox scale from a kinmate to make my cloak. So I now have all the ingredients required to craft a shimmering cloak um, from the Isengard cluster, which, uh, which should be pretty neat. I actually haven't gotten around to crafting it yet since I won the cloak class, but I will do that this week and I'll try to post a picture to the site. And uh, I was pretty excited about that. You know, sometimes there's drops in the game that are very rare. And when they do happen, um, it's kind of cool still. Uh, I, you know, They've kind of lost some of that with the newer instances where they don't have those drops quite as much. For some of that epic stuff like you could back in the old days. But uh, this was one of them. So very exciting. All right. My mini has been doing, still doing some Mortar Allegiance dailies and related runs. Just because she's near to completing deeds on a bunch of stuff. And I didn't want to stop just short of all those deeds being finished. Uh, for example, she just completed Slayer Deeds and Agronath and Udun, as well as one of the resource instances, uh, all based on one Accelerator Tomb that I consumed. I got all three of those deeds done in, in one uh, one fell swoop. My Cappy has enough ash. You know, I've got enough ash generated to buy the gold rings in Udun from the Ash Barterer there, uh, both for my Mini and my Cappy. Bragg already has one, but... I'm not sure if they're that great anymore versus what's available in the new areas, maybe for less. So I think I'm holding off on that for now until I get a bit more conversant with the new loot that's available with update 22. Uh, my lore master, I've been passing him some jewelry and scrolls to slowly upgrade him over time. Um, he was the fourth tune I've had where I just went through the initial pre-quests 
and the update in order to get the new the class trait point and the new teal breastplate without uh, actually going and starting questing in um, in Felagroth. So my guard mini Cappy and lore master have all accomplished that. And joining them at level 115 over the last two or three weeks is my Berg. Uh, so I have five characters at level cap now. Uh, since last we spoke, my Berg moved on from Dor Armoth. He completed the Lingris storylines, uh, did Fushimbal in Talith Uri, uh, completed the Pit Fighter instances in Thorzath. And uh, I, I'd add that uh, the Thorzath Pit Fighter instances are tailor made for a Berg. Um, you know, single. Single uh, boss combat at a time, you know, on a, a small concentrated area, no ranged, you know, a um, bunch of people watching to, you know, basically uh, massage his vanity and so forth. Uh, so those are tailor-made for a Berg. So those were really cake compared to some of the other tunes that I had, some of the softer tunes like my Mini, who struggled in the pits of Thorzaf initially. Uh, but one-on-ones for a Berg, pfft, really... Uh, so right now he's poised outside of Nairband, and I'm actually looking forward to you. Know, Berg is a great character to go to after you've been through the content three or four times because he can sneak by a lot of the tedium and get to the stuff, and that's going to come in really handy in Nairband and Nargroth. Uh, so looking forward to sneaking around on my Berg and achieving those objectives. The only time you can't bypass it is when the quest is to kill 15 of something, and then you got to you got to get everything. But uh, but basically when you're trying to go through long hallways filled with junk in order to get to the objectives uh the berg is going to excel at that so that'd be great and now that he's level 115 i might need to upgrade him with some cheap ash gear at some point in the near future my hunter bjorning and champ have all been idling my rk is just hobby horsing around and my two wardens my high elf warden is just sitting around getting high and that brings us uh to the fourth beacon of Aralas. Moving right along. We are whooping it up tonight. Yes, indeed. So, for the fourth beacon of Aralas, I wanted to talk about the something secret that will become available on March 21st, which is tomorrow. It's almost like Christmas. This is going to be great. Unless, of course, it sucks, in which case that would be very disappointing. But uh, but I'm hopeful. You know, I, I like creating even the drama because there was a long... I, I did go to the forums, I'll admit it. There was a long thread in the forums about what might be coming out on March 21st. So some of the things on my list here are derived of some of the things I read in the forums. And I'm not going to give them any credit for it aside from what I just did just now. Um, so here are some things that could be coming in the March 21st surprise. And they said, good luck. They, here's the quote. Something secret will become available on March 21st. Good luck. So let's dissect that. First of all, something secret. That means you know you're probably not going to get a letter in your mail telling you to go talk to Elrond. Uh, it'll probably be something that you could find on the landscape, but almost randomly, um, and uh, you might have to hunt around or get uh, lucky to find it. It's something secret. That means that. Uh, what I just said. And then it will become available. Available to me means that it's either an item or a piece of content to be experienced. And then they say good luck. And that could be a clue in and of itself. What what would you need uh, that would require luck in order to overcome? So here are some of the ideas, uh, some of the things that were discussed on the forums. Um, there was a lot of talk about whether it could be the reopening of the secret door 
uh, on the western face of Erebor that the dwarves and hobbit used to invade Smog's domain. Um, you know, is March 21st Durin's day? Will it be sunset? Uh, the answers are no and no. The timing is actually wrong for those things to coincide with Durin's day. I'm not saying it's impossible that they could uh, come up with a plot line where the door was reopened for some strange reason. I haven't been to Erebor yet. I don't know what's going on there. But uh, possible, but I think still unlikely based on the timing. A lot of people still looking forward in anticipation to Aragorn and Arwen's wedding. But again, based on the timeline of Tolkien, uh, the timing is wrong for that to occur so soon at this stage. Uh, celebration of the ring's destruction. The ring is destroyed on March 25th. So again, if it's coming out on the 21st, the timing is wrong. Plus, in game time, it just happened. Not really time to prepare a celebration of something. It hasn't been a year that's passed. <laughs> so again, the timing seems to be wrong for that. Um, I heard somebody speculating, and it was me, uh, that it could be a new skirmish. Uh, what... Would people find that interesting or not? I, I mentioned that uh, idea in world chat. Some people shot it down as stupid. They're like, skirms are old. It would only be big, big battles. I'll remind you that, uh, you know, SSG has said they will use all the tools at their disposal which best tell the story that they have to tell. Uh, so that include big battles, instances, raids, um, you know, epic quest lines, wh whatever the case may be. Um, they will use all the tools at their disposal, and they could be telling a story where a skirmish makes sense. Uh, I don't mind. I would love for a new skirmish to come to the game. I like the variety. I love the flexibility. The only thing wrong with skirmishes right now is they need to update the loot tables. That's the part that has made them obsolete. That's why people don't run them. You don't really need skirms marks, uh, you know, skirmish marks and medallions anymore. Barely. Um, you get them by doing a bunch of other things, and the rewards you can get for them at skirmish camps. You know, aside from some crafting elements here and there, for the most part, are uh, you're not that useful. You can still get rep rep tombs. You can still get uh, you know crafting materials for lower level alts. Do class quests, uh, crafting items for lower level recipes, and maybe rep items. But that's about all I use it for typically. So um, I think it would be cool to have a new skirmish and. Uh, you know, putting it in the Erebor cluster? Sure, why not? Just don't forget to update the loot tables. There has been confirmation recently in the forums, or I think it was in one of Cordovan's streams, that they are coming out with a lore bookcase soon. Uh, and it would have been in the update if they'd had time to work through some of the technical aspects of it. But this is a great idea. We're getting all these lore books from the new content on the environment and on the landscape. And being able to put those into a bookcase in-game instead of having like 12, 13, 14 books lying around randomly on the floor or floating on the walls or whatever, being able to check those into one case that you would hold in your house where it would hold them all and you could play any of them from, a great idea. And they said they were working on it. So the question is, maybe they finished it and it will become available as a crush reward or just uh, available in-game that you can earn it somehow or get lucky winning it somehow. So that's a possibility. Um, I think it's more likely that it'll come later, but it's possible. Um, there was other speculation. If you look at the map of Erebor, there is, uh, I'm sorry, of the northern strongholds. Way better. Ooh, it's night in Lake Town. To the west of Dale and south of Raven Hill, there's a large fortified structure area. It looks like an old fortress wall with some ruins behind it called the Dale Lands. I haven't been up there, but from what I've read, that area of the game is not accessible right now. 
So again, could be an instance coming there at some point that's tied into our story. Could be a skirmish coming there that's tied into our story. Or the other idea that was put forth is it could be a server-wide unlock event. Uh, like they've done before with things like a Numinos or an Angmar or more recently uh, outside of uh, Dol Amroth when they had the two caves that were only opened after a certain amount of people had dedicated um, you know, marks from the repeatable dailies in order to open them. Um, so that would be kind of cool if uh, you know, there was a server-wide unlock event um, that allowed that uh, content area to open up and have some new rewards available. People speculated eagle rides and or war pigs. So we are in the area where a war pig would come into play with uh, Dane Ironfoot riding one in the Battle of the Five Armies. Hey, a war pig mount? Sure, why not? We've got elks at this point. We've got goats. Uh, why not have a war pig? Sure, I'm all in. Uh, Floyd and DeWitt Part 3 would be cool if they kept uh, the story of Floyd and DeWitt going and... Uh, ensconce them in different areas around the map that would imply some element of luck in finding them in the new areas of the map as well so i don't rule that out um, a new event for the spring festival uh you know they've made previous statements i think in the annual letter where they inferred that the festivals might have some new events that are coming out and since the spring festival just premiered you know, if they had a new piece of content which was not quite ready for when they wanted to bring the event online, I think it's quite possible that they could be premiering a new Spring Festival event and or location in the game. Location meaning something like they've done for Winter Home or even with the Haunted Burrow uh, for the Fall Festival. Um, so I think that is actually a pretty strong chance and lastly, the one that would be lower appropriate, the one that would be probably the most exciting for a lot of people, but a little bit weird, would be if they introduced female dwarves into the game now that we have reached the Lonely Mountain. It seems strange to see all those male dwarves running around without any female progenitors, so it's quite possible. Well, I don't know it's possible. It's, it's a possibility, let me put it that way, that they could premiere a female dwarf race to the game and uh, if they do, I, it would be the most lore-appropriate part of the uh, landscape and or content to do so if they ever were going to. And if they do, I really hope they have the bare-chested dwarf cosmetic gender-gated somehow. Please. Some honorable mentions. Uh, new scavenger hunt, either tied to the anniversary hunt or other. Uh, dev event in game. Uh, maybe Shelob visits Northern Mirkwood in the in the uh, in the form of a dev that just wreaks havoc on everybody. <laughs> uh, maybe a server event, something like uh, you know a giant rift uh, event, where um, what if Smog's bones rose up out of the uh, out of the water and were reanimated by the efforts of some of the local uh, sorcerers of the east. Um, and we had to amass several hundred characters to beat him down. Hey, they, they reanimated Thorog, didn't they? You're saying it's not possible? Who knows? Um, and lastly would be another instance of some kind uh, that uh, was tagged onto this content, a surprise instance, um, though I would rather they fixed the six-man instance of Nairband uh, then put another instance to the game which may or may not be ready for prime time. So those are some honorable mentions. That was some fun brainstorming on things that might be. Uh, if, uh, if they have not found it by the time you read this, maybe uh, go out to the podcast 
uh, site and leave your ideas or tweet them at me out on the Twitter sphere, and uh, we will all soon find out together. With that, it's time to move on to the fifth beacon of Minrimon. Uh, the fifth beacon of Minrimon is the original weekly sponsor segment, and this week's show is brought to you by Lake Town Natural Spring Water. Never mind the privies and the decaying dragon bones, the waters of Long Lake have been running frothy from the mountain of Erebor since before the devastation of smog, and continue to this day, slowly washing away the filth of his presence century after century. It gives our murky spring water a flavorful, bitter, chromatic taste that's pure as Garoth. Never mind your Misty Mountain or Emerid Nimre's bland, tasteless water. Grab a bottle of cloudy goodness, alive with yummy bacteria. Lake Town Natural Spring Water. Learn why the lake is long on flavor. Ah, delish. We are at Callanhad, the meatiest beacon of all. Alright, so for Callanhad this week, this is an easy one. I want to give some first impressions of the new content from update 22. There'll be some mild spoilers in here, but generally speaking, there's not too much that I've found that's super spoilery so far to date. Um, so, let's talk first about uh, the prologue. Let's What I'm calling the prologue, which are some of the quests that continue in Mordor and Southern Mirkwood. Uh, before you make it to the new areas of the game. And there's a function behind some of these things. It's it's used to space out entry into the new content so you know the new areas don't get bum-rushed all at the same time with uh, hundreds of people going to the same quest giver and immediately. And th they work for that purpose. But um, my first question is, as far as story goes, do we really need another evil dude to keep track of? I mean, another one? Really? So, you know, they already killed off Dolgabeth, but aside from him, we've got uh, Larath and Ugracor and Barangos and Uradani and Mordrith and Shelob, and those guys weren't enough. I mean, I think I'm forgetting a few of them. Uh, some more underlings that are filtered in through there, but yeah. Um, second impression is they need a mobile Gandalf, one of those, like, summon him to your side things so that you don't have to run back to the gates of Mordor. Uh, I think four times over the course of those prequel quests. So that was a little bit annoying. But um, there was certainly a payoff when we got to Southern Mirkwood and witnessed, um, this is again from a lore perspective, so I don't think I'm spoiling anything, Galadriel's destruction of Barad Goldur. Um, that was an exciting moment, a cool cinematic that was involved in doing it. Although I have to comment, it's just a little bit, uh, it was cool. I liked it, it was fun. It's a little bit underwhelming. Like, basically, all she destroys is, like, two or three of the tallest towers that fall down. And if you look at the rest of the structure, like, if I'm evil, I can totally still live in the ground floors, which are still protected by some dang thick walls. I don't have to be in the tallest tower of this place to inhabit it. So I was waiting for a bigger bang. You know, I wanted, like... Some real, like, you know, kind of like, you know, they destroy the Gate of Mordor and Return of the King, the movie from Peter Jackson with, like, the ground collapsing and everything falling in on itself and just... Or maybe the Tower of Baradur, the way that, like, the ring comes out from it and, it, like, power explosion and stuff powders everywhere. And in this, it's like a couple of the tallest towers went beep and they kind of crumbled over and I'm like, that's it? <laughs> 
looks pretty sturdy to me. So, you know, I think they could have been more destructive. That's all I'm saying. Just my opinion. All right, so we get to Felagoth and the surrounding areas. Um, one of the elements I really like when we get to the new landscapes are the blue text billboards uh, that we get when we follow in the footsteps of Thorin's company. Those are well done. Fun way to tie them back to The Hobbit. Uh, cool to acknowledge the key areas of their journeys. I like the Elf Halls a lot. Um, they feel different. They feel appropriate. I think it would have been even a bit more interesting if you've had a little bit more of a vertical design uh, with things, you know, maybe nested on top of each other and so forth. I know it confuses the map, but I always find it more interesting. Maybe I'm just longing, the dwarfish part of me longing for Moria. Um, so... There's been a lot of comment about the roads through the forest. You know, from a lore perspective, they're supposed to be hard to follow. From a real-world perspective, they're hard to follow, right? So depending on the light, depending on the fog that you get, um, you know, you can look for those posts. But if you're going full speed in the dark and with fog, you can easily miss those posts and go off and you're like, gang it, where did I take a wrong? Because the road takes left turns, it takes right turns, you don't see them coming. And, uh, you know, some of the, t the posts are sunk into the ground or they get hidden easily. So you got to bring up your map. And, of course, it was exacerbated by the fact that uh, the map wasn't exactly precise to your actual physical location for the first week or so of the release. Uh, they have that fixed now, thankfully. But, uh, yeah, you got to look at the map to find the road and go back and find it again and follow the posts. So it, it's, I know it's supposed to be difficult. It's a little bit more of a pain than I think it should be. Um, so... Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know what else to say about that. Uh, I think part of me likes it, <laughs> part of me don't like it. <laughs> when I have to run around and do a lot of repetitive questing, so you know, if you don't have to run back and forth across it every time you're going to the areas and back, it wouldn't be quite as bad. But it is difficult to find. As a matter of fact, sometimes I even have trouble finding the bridge that goes south directly out of Felgoth Hall. Although I'm sure I'll get the hang of that soon and everyone will know every tree to find it going forward. Um, I like the glowy eyes off in the forest. I didn't notice those at first until uh, I was doing some quests. And uh, you know I didn't notice them right off the bat, but it's cool tech. I like how they do that. Uh, fun piece of lore that they embedded in the game. Well done. I don't like the big canyon walls you have to navigate um, that run uh, basically along the banks of the river and a lot of places in that area south of Falagoth. You have to go way the heck out of your way to get around them. Um, you know, they just run way too far. Uh, there's no way to get up them except for going all the way around. You know, I found myself saying, I need to go left. I need to go left. I can't go left. I need to go left. I can't go left. And, uh, you know, sometimes you'd be running along and you slide down in them and then you couldn't get back up unless you ran all the way down to the side. So uh, I think they could do a better job of allowing some places where you could climb out of there without having to go all the way around. Um, besides that, I would say the forest is probably the coolest visually that I've seen in the game. Uh, there are some really nice elements to it. It's... It will trip you up with some old roots here and there, but it's not quite as bad as some of the forests in the past, like around the Druiden Forest or uh, Fangorn, as far as uh, you know, navigation is concerned. You have a little bit of that. It's a little more palatable than some of those former areas. Uh, overall, nice, nicely done. Uh, great landscape, as they are usually want to do. And I feel like there's more exploring of some of those forests that I'll have to do uh, later on to get to know the area a little better. Um, you know, basically, I did a lot of getting lost the first couple days, which is what I would expect. Okay, so Lake Town and Ozgroth of old. 
these areas are really fun and different. First of all, I had my first kind of major squealy moment of the uh, of the release when I found the Bones of Smog, and uh, I, I've been noticed I've been taking a lot of pictures in game through this update. There are some fun places to grab pictures, and that's certainly one of them. Um, when I got to Lake Town, I spent a lot of time finding stuff the first time running around, and uh, yeah, I certainly know it well enough now. But uh, but finding some of those initial buildings, uh, you know, I, there were a couple quest in, uh, objectives where I, I literally ran around the time five or six times before I figured out what I was missing or you know what alley to go down to find stuff. So, uh, but overall, the feel of Lake Town is different from anything else in the game. In the game, and I really like it. It's uh, it's fun. It's vibrant. It's cool. Um, it's different, and uh, I think they did a great job. Um, so bravo. And then uh, that's about as far as I've gone. I've run up to the gates of Dale, and through there, it uh, does follow the instance that uh, is in the game as far as design's concerned, but it expands upon it really nicely. It has some cool touches all over it, you know, with the cascading water effects coming down from the hills and uh, different bridges and, you know, old ruins that are combined with newer construction that are all lower appropriate. Uh, so it looks like it's going to be a cool area to explore. Um, the quest content that I've been to so far uh, has been kind of par for the course, standard Lotro type stuff for the most part. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised by the Lake Town mystery, complete with the murder mystery dinner <laughs> that you get to do. Uh, it's probably been the highlight, um, although we're familiar with these plots from Rohan since they seem to happen in every meat hall ever. But, uh, you know, uh, different and... Uh, kind of fun. I felt a little silly running up and down the stairs. Someone got murdered. Run down the stairs. Someone got murdered. Run into the kitchen. Someone got murdered. But, um, you know, the plot thickened. The mu new music is good. I want to listen to it a bit more before I comment fully, but so far I like it. Uh, you know, given that they use the in-house band, um, I think it's well done. And the story is good. It's slow in developing so far. It's more kind of like sending you out to explore the landscape, which I kind of expected. So I'm hoping that some more major twists will happen uh, as I get to Dale and Erebor that uh, kind of make it a bit more exciting or a bit more active. Uh, for right now, it seems to be plodding along at a decent pace. Um, questing around Thranduil's Hall was especially slow. You know, what's going on in the forest? I don't know. Check it out. Okay. Heal the forest. Okay. Check this out. Okay. Um, you know, but without a lot of big reveals about what's going on uh, around the area. So uh, ahead of me lie Dale, Erebor, and the Dailies. I've heard a lot of the, the Dailies are hard to locate sometimes because you don't know who has what quest on what day. But it's a little bit more flexible in the, the wrapper quest, which gives them to you, doesn't expire as frequently, so you can do them over the course of multiple days. In some cases, gives you a little more flexibility. So eager to see what those are, and once I get there to that stage, I'm sure I'll be more interested in what kinds of rewards I'm grinding for and if they're worth it, uh, worth the effort. So hopefully they've got some fun dailies in there. Hopefully they're a good time. Um, I am excited that they changed the featured instance quests. I'll talk about that in a little bit. As a matter of fact, why don't we go through some just some highlights from the release notes really quick so I can pad out my runtime stats. Um, so I just uh, highlighted a few things that I wanted to remark upon from... The notes first is, players who completed Chapter 4.4, Union of Evil, can speak to Mithrandor in the wreckage of the Black Gate to begin Chapter 5 of the Black Book of Mordor. And 
again, I, the problem I have is that getting to chapter 4.4, The Union of Evil, requires you to complete basically every major storyline in Mordor, not just the epic, uh, which is a long grind, well, long way to grind. So I'm hoping there's a re-entry point into the Black Book that doesn't require you to do every quest in Mordor to get to The Union of Evil. We shall see. The next is... Um, Players who have completed the main quest arcs in the Strongholds of the North will receive in their mailbox a missive from Dale, which is a vector to the episodic content that will unlock starting on March 14th. So I haven't read anything about the new episodic content, which is called the Lay of Rhyme and Rust, I believe. Um, there are a lot of people obviously racing to the end of the new content to get to the dailies and be able to do this new episodic content. Uh, obviously, I'm taking my time to get there, but uh, I imagine I'll probably be able to start that sometime in the next week or two. Um, the Lay of Rust and Rhyme is a series of Stronghold in the North endgame episodic quests that will become available on Wednesday starting March 14th. So it's already out. Uh, news and notes for the classes. Dwarven avatars have been updated. Players can continue to keep their existing look or use an option on the character select screen if they prefer. So I have been a little underwhelmed by the avatar changes that have come out to date. In a lot of cases, I have preferred the old look of my tunes, but there are a few of them that are starting to grow on me. Uh, I will say that I was pleasantly surprised with the Dwarven update. Since I've played Bragg the most, you know, and I was really tied to his look, I was sure that I was going to like his old look better. Um, but, you know, the new ones kind of still caught the same character of the look that I've had in the past, but just seemed a little sharper in terms of the pixel detail and clarity. So I've been wearing it to try it on, and I do think I like it. And I like some of the other new Dwarven avatars as well. It might be that Dwarven faces are a little more, quote-unquote, cartoonish than some of the other races to begin with. And so the avatar update takes more readily to them um, than it does to some of the other classes when they try to make them a little more photorealistic. So that's a theory. Let me know if you agree with that. Uh, captains can now purchase a receipt for an armament exchange for silver for any captain trainer. You no longer need to trade in a crafted ornament from a tailor. Um, let me tell you that this used to be a pain. So, <laughs> so for all those new cappies out there, you look out without having to deal with this crap uh, going forward. Client and UI. The character selection and character generation screens have received a UI update. I like the UI update. I know some people that like the graphics but don't like the text fonts that have been used. They look too simplistic and not kind of more lore specific. Um, I think they look a lot cleaner and crisper and fresher. And it is a nice change because um, we've had the old ones for so long. Yes, you can get nostalgic for them, but I do think they get stale after a while. So punching them up every once in a while is good. Maybe they could have used a different font, but right now I have a positive reaction. The, uh, the new scenes the characters are set in are a little more active, a little more current, uh, a little more uh, nicer graphics, and, uh, and I like the look. So um, my overall impression is positive. The Doomfold Fiddle woodworker recipes are now available from the Conquest of Gorgoroth Crafting Quartermaster. And uh, cool. Fiddles in the game. Uh, can't wait to see what some of the more accomplished musical kins do with those uh, coming up in recent times. I did um, earn a Lonely Mountain Band fiddle in the Spring Festival and just uh, played a couple tunes on it. Uh, and just to see how some of my old ABC files would work. 
I uh, got some strange errors running some of those old files, so things are continuing to change, and some of them might not be valid anymore. But uh, but the ones I played that did, uh, you know, showed it to good effect. And I think it'll be a nice addition, especially when we're looking to do um, tunes that uh, that stem from Norse mythology or Irish or Scottish uh, types of folk music. Uh, the featured instances available with Update 22 are the Bells of Dale, Sari Surma, Austalendal, Webs of the Scuttledells, North Cotton Farms, and Ostdunoth Wound and Fear Wing. And I like these changes too. I always like when they switch up the featured instances that get stale after a while. Bells of Dale, very apropos. Sari Surma. And most of these require slightly more coordination and or thinking than the usual beatdowns. I had a group that actually failed Wound and Fear three times and quit because everyone was just blasting the elephants not listening to the leader and they gave up i thought that was hilarious uh, but yeah you need to know how to do that wing if you're going to do it right you can't pug without listening to anybody doing anything and just do it tank and spank it doesn't work so uh i enjoy that myself um one of the ones i'm looking forward to running that i never ran more than maybe once or twice way back when was webs of the scuttle dells so interested in finding some three mans to do that and refresh my knowledge of that content uh, as i recall finishing the last boss fight with uh, the spider out on the web parts that you couldn't see very well was always a bit of a pain i don't know if that's been changed or not but uh, we'll see uh ashes of gorgoroth been renamed ashes of enchantment uh i almost read ashes of excrement but uh, enchantment's probably better uh which shows their intent to um, continue to use these as end game currency going forward through multiple updates as opposed to just Mordor. Chests in 106 to 114 scaled instances now actually have items when opened. Thank you. Uh, featured instance boxes will now drop crafting materials instead of long lost coins. Eh, you know, I would have preferred if they had put some rewards in the game that were worth purchasing with long lost coins because I've got a buttload of them that are, are worthless now. So, you know, even if it was a whole bunch just to get a scroll or two here or there, it would be better than nothing. So I was a little disappointed in that. Uh, if you take some time in the strongholds of the north to enjoy fishing, you will find that there are new species of fish in this land. I have not done that yet, but I will be fishing there shortly. I have every other fishing deed done, and my, um, my CDO, which is OCD, except with the letters in the right order alphabetically as they should be, uh, will be sated only after I've accomplished the new trophy and the new fish. Uh, you can now all the stuff with legendary items. Deconstruct all, uh, auto-combine all, all that stuff is great. Ugh, waited for it for so long. As a matter of fact, I haven't combined relics on my tunes in like a year or two. <laughs> and I actually went out using Lotro points and bought a, a relic of combination from the Lotro store because I had so many relics on some of my mains that I figured if I was going to do some combine alls, uh, which made it easy finally to do, uh, having that scroll uh, active in order to get better um, crits out of some of those combinations uh, would be lucrative. And it was. I think when I was all said and done, you know, I probably produced 23 or 24 level 10 relics with Bragg for Bragg. Um, you know, that could all be, uh, you know, deconstructed down to shards at need uh, but I don't need them now because I think uh, byproducts of all 
the crits, I uh, went from like a couple thousand shards all the way up to like 45,000 or something like that. And that's just with one tune. I could do that with, um, you know, most of my other tunes and be almost as productive. So, so that's all cool. Very cool stuff. You know, continues to be some uh, ease of use and, uh, you know, life improvement type changes that they're folding into the updates. And like I said, they continue to take some of these long-standing ideas and requests and, and pay attention to them. Every once in a while, you get a few more. Uh, so I love to see that. Uh, there's a new 30-second cooldown after switching a save class trait configuration before you can swap again. That's a bit of a pain. Apparently, it was adding to server lag. I think it's also to avoid um, exploits for people switching traits within a... Uh, within fights or within raids, um, but 30 seconds is a bit long. It's a bit. It's been a pain once or twice, uh, but I guess I can learn to live with it if it's preventing exploits. What else? Something secrets coming available on March 21st. Yeah, I know all about that. Um, there's other important things like Melbiorning sit a bit higher in the water while treading. Crucial. And the Northern Mirkwood map does not accurately display your avatar's location. That was a known issue, which has been fixed. And the other one that was fixed is Gorgoroth Steelbound loot boxes may get monster play items. And uh, I did receive a few monster play items on my freeps. But um, the sad part of seeing that go is that uh, at least two or three times I actually won commendations out of my loot box. I think I got like 2,000 commendations out of two or three loot boxes at one point. Uh, and that's, you know, when you think about how many kills you need for 2,000 commendations, that's not chicken feed. So I didn't mind that. Those go straight into your butter wallets. They can be used for either side. Some of the potions for the creep side I just had to throw away. They can't be used for anything. But I'll miss the extra comms, so that's a shame. And I think that brings us to the end of the release notes. There were more recent release notes that came out, but they were filled with a bunch of crap. Um, I'm sorry, CRAP. So uh, probably not necessary for me to waste time on those. Uh, and at the end of the day, it's going to bring us to the promised land, the beacon of Halifirian. It's closing time. Whoa, sorry we ran out of time. Uh, to end early, hopefully next time. Uh, it's blessed relief. It's, let me see. Time to crack another ale. I'm officially putting... A little uh, hot pink bow on the 79th episode of Light the Beacons. This week, I'd love to hear your plaudits. Plaudits only, please. This week, give me plaudits. You can contact me at bragsonofbalan at gmail.com. That's brag with two A's. The second A stands for arbitration. Facebook or Twitter at bragsonofbalan. My website at lightthebeacons.com where you can post comments directly on the podcast. Kindly requesting an iTunes review. If perchance you want to break my six-month detente, I would very much appreciate it. If your comments incite me to forego my legendary dwarven apathy, I will try to include them in the next podcast or at least respond in some way. So I hope you laughed either at or with me. I hope you might have learned at least a little something you didn't know before or perhaps looked at the game with a slightly different perspective. And most of all, I hope you enjoy your week in Middle-earth and the strongholds of the north. This is Bragg, the son of Balin, signing off. Baruch Kazad. And remember, the next time you think that the Ravens of Erebor are calling your name until you realize you named your tune Caw, don't despair. Light the beacons. Hey, we'll see you sometime around. Hopefully the first week of April we'll be able to squeeze in another episode sometime around there. So long, gents. Yes, so long. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs>